my wife was pregnant with twins, and unfortunately we lost one of them at eight weeks. Uh, then when we went to go back and check on the other one, uh, we call him Baby B, uh, they said that Baby B might not make it, and they kept asking us if we wanted to terminate the pregnancy. We said, no, we don't believe in that. We don't do that. And they kept, they kept asking why, and we said it's because of our faith we don't do that. So we go home and pray and pray and pray. We go back, and they come back and keep telling us Baby B is not going to make it. As they show in the picture over here, uh, there's a white lining behind his neck, and they said that means he's going to be born uh, with many problems. He's going to have very special needs. He can have very massive heart problems. He might even die on the way out. We just kept praying. They kept asking, terminate it. We said no. Um, so we just kept praying, and then we finally went back for the last ultrasound most recently. And as you see in the picture over there, it's all gone. And they, they, they can't explain what happened. All they know is that it's not there. And then all it's just easy to smile and just, my God's good, and I have faith. Uh, so I'm going to share with you guys uh, James 5.15. It's about um, just having faith in God. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. And if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. So let's pray. Dear Lord, please help us to have faith in you, Lord, and that we can trust you in every aspect of our life. Lord, and bless this service and the wonderful men and women who lead this church and free us from everything, Lord. We pray in your name. Amen.
Clap of praise to the Lord this morning. It's so good to see everyone here. I just want to encourage you this morning that as we worship our God with our with our mouths and our hands and, and as we sing his praises, I just want to read you this verse from Psalm 62. It says that, yes, my soul find rest in God. Amen. My hope comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress, and I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. Amen. This morning, does your salvation and your honor depend on God? He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Come on and say, my refuge. He is my refuge. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Amen. this morning, in keeping with that, let's pour out our hearts before we sing this next song. We look to you, God. Come on. We can't physically do it, but we can pour it out with our words. 
with our praise, by telling God this morning how much he means to us, by telling him how good he is in the midst of circumstances, by lifting up our friends and our family in prayer. God, you are awesome. You are mighty. There is none like you, God. Your love is extravagant. And so why we look to the heavens, God, we ask that you pour out your glory over this place, over your people this morning. Come on, just take the next couple of moments and you just ask it of the Lord right now that God pour it out over you.
Jesus, it is all about you. Our life, oh God, our purpose here on this earth, God, it's all about you, Jesus. And we give you the glory this morning, oh God. We give you our lives fully surrendered. We offer up our worship, Jesus, because it's all about you. It's not about us. We want to glorify your name. We want to make you big. Our Lord, we thank you for being such a good God. We thank you for caring about us, for creating us. Church, I want you guys to take a couple moments. I want you to think about those prophetic words that came forth because I feel like those were so on point, so powerful. If you are in a trial today, if you are in the midst of a storm, if you are in the midst of a tribulation, a, a tough point, at a place you've never been to before, you've never experienced this pain, you've never experienced loss or grief, whatever it is that you're going through, those two words that came forth today are for you. And if that is you, I want you to lift up your hands because what God is saying to you is that he's with you. He's holding your hand. He's right next to you. In the midst of your storm, he's there. And he's offering you peace. And he's bringing you joy. And he's giving you strength. He's giving you wisdom. And you're not alone. And when the lies of the enemy come forth full force, God is saying, watch my word. Remember my word. Because God is watching over the word that he has spoken. And he's waiting to see it fulfilled in your life. But we got to activate our faith. we got to read the word, speak the word, live the word. Because if we don't believe it, it won't happen. So if this is you and you're in that storm, I want your hands to be held high today. Because you got to receive your breakthrough. you got to receive your joy. And it's not something that we just hit you over the head and you get. you got to learn how to get a hold of Jesus. Because if you're not in a storm today, I promise you, you will be one day. And if you're not practicing his presence, if you're not speaking the word, you won't be ready for that storm. So I just want to encourage us as a church. He is with us at every moment of every waking hour of our day. And he's watching his word. And he wants to see it fulfilled over us. But we got to speak it. We got to believe it. We got to stand on it. We don't let fear consume our mind. We're not going to allow fear to consume our mind. He has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And we're going to believe, even in our darkest moment, in our toughest times, we have to believe that he is there. We have to believe that he cares and he's watching over us. So I want us to sing this a cappella. As a band leads us out, I want us to sing this as an anthem. We're declaring this over our life. You declare this over your situation today, that Jesus is the center of your being. He is the center of your family. He is the center of your trouble because where Jesus is, there is life, there is peace, there is joy, and it's all about him. And in the end, he gets the glory and we get to experience him changing us from glory to glory. So if you're ready, let's lift up our hands. We're going to keep it low. I want us to sing this a cappella right now so no instruments band. Just lead us out with your voices. Come on. Jesus be the center. Jesus be the center of my life. From beginning to the end, it will always be.
always be, it's always been you, Jesus. Let's sing it again. Come on. Jesus, be the center of my life. Jesus, be the center of my life. From beginning to the end, it will always be, it's always been you, Jesus. Jesus Let's go to the chorus. Nothing else matters. Nothing in this world will do. Because Jesus, you're the center. And everything revolves around you. Jesus, you at the center of it all. Hallelujah, Jesus. You're at the center, God. We love you, Jesus. The instruments can begin to play. God, we thank you. You are the center. We declare that, Lord. And we put our faith in you. We're putting our trust in you. We're putting our hope in you. Because as we speak your word, we're believing, God, that you're going to perform your word. That you're with us in our most vulnerable times, in our most darkest times, in our most hardest times. Whether there's rain or shine, oh God, you, God, are over us. And we want to say, God, be the center. We exalt you today. Come on, give the Lord some praises. Give him some hand clap of praise. In your own words, come on, let's take the next 30 seconds. Let's worship him in your own words. Tell him how good he is. Tell him how awesome he is. Tell him how faithful he is. Tell him how good of a God he is. Come on, let's praise him. When you love somebody, you can't stop telling them how much you love them. Love on Jesus today. Come on. 30 seconds. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, you are awesome. Jesus, you are more than enough. Come on. Praise the church in your own words. from above and we give you glory honor and praise today in Jesus name and everybody said amen and give the Lord a hand clap of praise one more time hallelujah you guys can be seated give your neighbor a high five or a hug we're going to dismiss the king's kids at this time thank you guys for worshiping Jesus with us today Welcome, everybody, to Metro Praise International. If you don't know who I am, my name is Nancy Wyrostek. I'm one of the apostolic elders here. And we just want to welcome you for joining us and for worshiping the Lord. And at this time, we're going to preach the gospel. And this message is for those of you who are not right with God. You don't have a relationship with Jesus. You've never been born again. I want you to turn your attention to the screen. I'm going to be reading from Titus chapter 3, verses 4 and 5. But when God, our Savior, revealed his kindness and love. See, that's what Jesus revealed. He came and revealed his kindness and love. He saved us. 
not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. And if you want that today and you know that you don't have it, today is your day to receive it because it's not on anything that you can do. Jesus came to be our Savior through the kindness of, of the Father in kindness and in love. He saved us. And I want you to know that there's nothing that you can do to go back home to fix stuff. Today you make that decision here and you let God take care of it. So many people lose the opportunity to get right with God because they feel like they need to go home and fix things, get rid of things. That will come. There will be things that you have to leave behind and change. But you don't do that first. You come to Jesus because it's only by the blood of Jesus that you can be forgiven. You repent of your sins and new life comes into you. You can't change your life. You didn't bring yourself here. Look around, just ask yourself, you know. Ask yourself, ask your neighbor, did you create yourself? You didn't choose to be here. God created you. And so there's nothing that we can do to fix it. Jesus came to fix it. And the problem that humanity had was the problem of sin. And because Jesus died on the cross and shed his blood for us, we could have a new birth. We could have a new life through the power of the Holy Spirit. With all eyes closed, I'll look across this room. If you know you need to get right with God, you're, you've been rejecting it or there's been a, a struggle and you know you have to make that decision, with all eyes closed, believers, I want you to pray. If you're right with God today, I want you to pray because somebody in this room, whether it's one, two, three, four, five, it doesn't matter. Jesus wants you to be born again. You have to get right with him today. We're not promised tomorrow. Eternity is at stake. The Bible clearly says that if a man is not born again, he shall not inherit eternal life. So without Jesus' blood, there is no eternal life after we leave this earth. It's only hellfire. And sadly, so many people reject it. But today is a day for us to get it right. So as I pray, I want you to pray, and I want you to say, Jesus, forgive me. I want to make it right. I want to be born again. I want this new life. I want this new birth. Jesus, I thank you that your word is true, that it is living and active. It is sharper than a double-edged sword, and it penetrates the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of our heart. And I pray that that word, God, would pierce through hearts today that you would arrest our hearts in the spirit, that they would get right with you, that they would repent of their sin, turn from their ways. They would come and receive your mercy, oh God, that you died to give to them so that new birth and new life could be theirs. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. And everybody said, amen. Please stand to your feet with me. If you meant business with Jesus and you want to get right, after we take communion and during our fellowship time, we're going to have prayer workers over here, Pastor Berto and Pastor Griselda, and they're going to pray for you. As the ushers pass out the elements at this time, I want us to turn our attention towards the communion. They're going to pass it out, just pass the trays all along across toward the back. The reason why we take communion on the first Sunday of every month is because this is an ordinance that we practice in the church. And we do it to remember the Lord. We do this to remember his sacrifice for us. He died. He shed his blood. His body was beaten. For us that we could be forgiven there was no other way to fix the the problem of sin once sin came into humanity the only solution was jesus coming the son of god the son of man coming taking our place and so we
This is an honorable time. That's why we always want to preach the gospel to you before you partake of it so that you can be right with God. If I could please have my scripture verse up there. I want to read to you from Matthew 26, 26 through 29 as we prepare to partake of the elements. I will pray before we take the juice and the wafer. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Isn't that awesome? Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, was spending time with his disciples, and he said, take this and eat of it. Because by doing this, you're going to do this in remembrance of me until I come back. And so we are joining in that time as disciples of Christ. We are partaking of this, remembering what he did for us and doing it to honor him. So let's lift up the wafer. We're going to pray and take it as a church family together. God, we thank you for this wafer that represents your body. We thank you that you died on the cross for our sins so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be made new. We thank you that you took our punishment upon yourself. And God, we just remember your sacrifice. Let's partake of the wafer together. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you, God. Lord, we lift up the grape juice that is symbolic of the blood that you shed. Your blood that heals us, your blood that, that forgives us. We thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We worship you. We honor you. We adore you, Jesus. We thank you for your blood. Because without the blood, we could never have eternal life. Without this blood that you shed on the cross for us, Jesus, we would not be here today. And we thank you for your sacrifice. Let's partake of the juice together. Hallelujah. The band is going to lead us in this chorus. As the ushers discard of the elements, I want us to just focus our attention on Jesus again through worship. We're just going to sing the chorus. Let's just think about the cross. There is power in the blood of Jesus. There's, there is mercy at the cross. Hallelujah, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Jesus, be the center about you, yes, it's all about you, from my heart to the heavens, Jesus be the center, it's all
glory and the praise that is to your name. In Jesus' name, we thank you again, Lord. Amen and amen. Let's clap it up one more time for our King, our Lord, our Savior. Let's recite this confession of faith together as a church on the count of three. The reason why we do this every week is because this is our Christian worldview. So let's do it on the count of three. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Father who so loved the world, the Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. In the United Church of Jesus Christ, built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind is by faith alone and Christ alone, by God's grace alone and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Come on, get, spend some time meeting somebody that you don't know. Start fellowshipping. If you need prayer, our pastors are here for you. Come check it out. As distant hearts begin believing Redemption's big
Who's excited to be at church today? Make some noise. Woo! I know I'm excited. I love when you're excited. It makes us more excited. So thank you for joining us. We welcome you to Metro Praise International. On behalf of all of our, our staff, our leaders, we thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us today. Our service is here our every Sunday at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. Every Friday we have Elevate at 7 p.m. for ages 11 to 18 years old. If you're in that age group, you've got to be there. We want you guys to join us for our All Nations Dinner coming up in a couple of weeks. Who's excited about our All Nations Dinner? Come on, November 15th at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. for both of our services. We're going to spend some time eating each other's food, so bring a dish, and it's just going to be exciting to showcase all of the nations of the world and represent our country. Who's excited to do that? I know I am. I don't know what I'm bringing yet, but I'm excited to do it. Uh, our vision here is very simple. It's loving God and loving people, the two greatest commandments that Jesus gave to us. And our discipleship strategy is threefold. It's connect, mentor, and send. Somebody say connect. The way we want to connect you to the church and to Jesus here at MPI is through our life groups. Somebody say life groups. If you turn that your hand out around to the back, you'll see our life group schedule for this quarter. We really want to encourage you to find a place to have your life group at find a place to belong to connect to there's so many different types of life groups to meet the needs of your family times and places so find one and join one this week here's a snapshot what's happening starting today somebody say it's a busy week today we're kicking it off with our single men and women come on 18 to 35 years old meeting here at the church at 4 p.m so if you're single in that age group you got to hang out with them today it's going to be an awesome time Tuesday, we have the Resistance Elevate Life Group, 11 to 18 years old, meeting here at the church at 6 p.m. Wednesday, Righteously Redeemed Elevate Life Group, 11 to 18 years old, 6 p.m., meeting at that address. Wednesday, we have our King's Kids Life Group. That's a weekly life group for infants to 11 years old every week at 6.30 here at the church. If you have children, this is where you want them to be in the boys club, girls clubs that we have, Royal Rangers and Impact. It's a powerful time for them. Then Thursday, we have our weekly gang outreach life group, 18 years and up, 7 p.m. Meet at that address. They're going out preaching the gospel where we need it in Chicago. How many of you guys know that Chicago needs Jesus? That's where it's going to start. Revival is going to happen there. And so we're really excited about that life group. Every Friday, we have two adult Bible studies that are available for you. One is at the Govea's house. The other one is at the Walker's house. 18 years and up, 7 p.m. They have child care provided. you got to be there. If you're an adult, be at those Bible studies. Pick one. Stick to it. Be faithful. Get connected into the word of God. Be encouraged through your week and build some lasting friendships. It's powerful there. And then Saturday, we have our ambas Ambassadors Elevate Life Group, 11 to 18 years old, 3 p.m. here at the church. And every Saturday, our evangelism meets. All ages are welcome. Meeting at the church at 5 p.m. to hit the streets and to witness to people, share your faith with others. How are you guys excited about our week? Come on and give it up for Elevators. They're all meeting this week. Getting closer to Jesus, so it's exciting. Then we want to mentor you. After you connect, we want to mentor you. We want to take you through the 101 book called Welcome to Your New Life. We have leaders ready to take you through this, to get into your life, to encourage you, to take you through the discipleship journey at your pace. 
When you graduate the 101, you'll get into our 201 class, Disciples That Make Disciples, where your discipleship journey continues. You'll be trained to be a leader in the church, and then we want to send you out to continue to win souls for the Lord. And our goal is to have 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches and 500 around the world. If you believe we can do that, say amen. And if you want to do it, say amen. Awesome. Woohoo! We are on section four in the Disciples Giving book. It's all about the hindrances that we face to obeying God's command, especially in the area of finances. We're on lesson two today, overcoming laziness. The definition of a hindrance is something that prevents us from being obedient to God's commands. And we all face that, and we have to learn how to overcome those. So let's read in Proverbs 18, 9. Focusing on laziness today, the hindrance of laziness. Proverbs 18, 9, you can look up at the screen. One who is slack in his work is brother to one who destroys. Somebody say, yikes. Let's read the three main points from that verse. Number one, lazy in work. The Bible clearly teaches that if a man doesn't work, they shouldn't eat. 2 Thessalonians 3.10, I got some manly men saying amen to that. Come on. Therefore, every abled body adult should work, whether inside or outside of the home, to support themselves and their families. So we should be working men and women, honoring the Lord with our hands and the gifts that he's given to us so that we can support ourselves and our families. Number two, lazy and obedience. That's another level. The Bible is also very clear that God's commands should be obeyed immediately and not postponed to a more convenient time. This includes obeying his commands to give tithes and offerings. So we need to be uh, able to be obedient on the spot. When God tells us to do something, having resentful obedience is not good for our spiritual growth because we can have resentful obedience. How many children or youth that I have in here are kind of resentfully obeying your parents? See, that's a heart issue. And so when we act like that towards God, we need to come to him and say, God, change my heart. I want to be humble. I want to obey you on the spot so I could give you glory with my life. And number three, laziness is brother to destruction. That's not good. If we choose to be lazy rather than hardworking and obedient to God, we will suffer destruction in this life and in the one to come. So being lazy is not a good thing. Honoring God, working hard, getting our finances in order, and obeying God in every aspect of our life allows us to live a life of fruitfulness here and then the one to come. Amen? How many of you guys excited about that? Here's a summary. Overcome laziness with hard work and obedience to God. So let's be hard workers and obedient to our Lord. And let's apply, it, apply this in three ways. Number one, be faithful in giving your tithes, 10% of your total income and offerings, anything you give after your tithes. Number two, repent if you have been lazy in your work or obedience to God. Because all that you do on your job, in your family, we all have to do it as unto the Lord. So if you're not doing it in excellence, it's not pleasing to God. And number three, ask God to give you his strength to do all things, including your job, for his glory. You guys want to do that? If you do, let's confess this on the count of three. One, two, three. By the power of the Holy Spirit and the guidance of the word of God, I will not be hindered by greed, laziness, unbelief, discouragement, or fatigue in my giving to God. I will overcome bitterness, impatience, pride, fear, idolatry, and live a life of obedience in my finances. If that is you, stand up with me today as we prepare to give God our best, our very, very, very best. This is, a, this is an offering of praise. You know that giving your tithes is, is an act of worship to the Lord. 
So we're going to give him our tithes and offerings. Again, MPI believes that a tithe is 10% of your total income and an offering is anything above that. That amount is between you and the Lord, and we designate that towards missions and building, and we thank you for being faithful to giving to both. We're currently in the building fund to raise the monies for the lit-up sign to go across the building. We're so excited. Let's keep on giving. Let's stay faithful because when we do it together, it works. Amen. How many of you guys are excited to be a part of a team, a church that loves to work together, live life together, and do it for his glory? Come on. We want to win a city. We want to win nations together. We're not called to do it alone. We have uh, two convenient ways for you to give or purchase items that we have in the church using your credit or debit card as well. We want to be very generous with making that convenient for you. So number one way is online. Uh, at our easy-to-use website, and another one is in the back with either me or Pastor Griselda. If you have any questions about that, you can see us after service. Let's recite this together. Luke 6, 38, Jesus said, give and it will be given to you. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your generosity to our lives. We thank you for your faithfulness to us. And we, in turn, God, will be faithful to you as we obey your commands, God, to give you the tithe, to give you the offering. We love you, Lord. Let this be a pleasing aroma to you. Let it be an act of worship unto you as we trust that you are going to meet our needs according to your glorious riches in Christ Jesus. May this act of service, this gift, meet the needs of the people. Let us win Chicago for you and all the nations of the world. And everybody said amen and amen. Thank you for your generosity. We thank you so much. Please come forward as you give. How many are ready to honor some pastors up in here? Make some noise. Woo! Good to have you guys here this morning. I'm your friendly neighborhood senior pastor, the one that has to lead this funky bunch. But I'll tell you what, they're so amazing. October was pastor appreciation. The pastors that I worked with, they surprised me, blessed me in a staff meeting, blessed my wife with roses, flowers, chocolates, and we're still eating all that, with gift cards to massages and, and restaurants. Isn't it good to be a pastor? Can I get an amen? Don't y'all hate, celebrate, amen? Y'all got some good jobs too, right? Y'all like, anybody like their job? 
Okay, about half of y'all. We're praying for the other half. But we are going to honor our pastors today. As they come, would you just give them a great round of applause? Pastors, Berto and Griselda, would you come? We love you guys so much. We want to honor them. These are our campus pastors for our first service. Griselda is our administrator. They do the marriage counseling. They make sure the whole service is running great. We're giving them uh, some shekels and a thank you note. We appreciate you guys so much. Give it up for them one more time. The Goiveas. Let's give it up for Pastor Jared and Sue Ellen, our children's pastor and 201 Discipler and Evangelist. Some of these pastors have been with me for so long, I even remember when they were single, ready to mingle. So Pastor Susie, she leads our King's Kids there on Sunday and on Wednesday. She was not able to come because of an, a health issue last Wednesday, but her team led it for like that, like the Harvest Fest, you know, like an alternative to Halloween. Her team had 132 people here last Wednesday. Let's give it up for Pastor Susie. And Jared, he leads our Sunday morning 201 class. He's also going to be a professor in this next semester at the Bible College. And he leads Saturday evangelism. Let's give it up for Sue Ellen and Jared Walker. Love you guys. We got to give it up for our youth pastors, Eluve, Pastors Ellie and Lilani Hernandez. You guys are so awesome. They just did a big outreach Friday, so check this out. Wednesday, 132 for the kids program. They did a play for the youth program Friday night. Kids could have wore their costumes, whatever, but there was a big heaven or hell play called No Exit. They had 92 people here. Give it up for Jesus. Not only is Pastor Ellie our youth pastor, but he's also leading the college, the Bible college. Uh, we have a cohort with SUM. He is the cohort advisor with his awesome wife here, Lilani. She came to our second youth service 10 years ago, and now she is a youth pastor with her husband. Give it up for the Hernandezes. We love you guys. And last but not least, our single mom whisperer, Pastor Lauren Sienski, ski, ski, ski. We love you so much. We remember when she was a single mom. She, you can't leave yet. She was a single mom. She got married to the Drew Ski Ski, my man. And now they're living the dream. The single moms is blowing up. And you know the next thing that she's working on right now, we're putting it all together, is an entire Good Samaritan packet. We have a Good Samaritan page where people are giving away things on Facebook. Check it out. It's where you don't have to go to a garage sale. Give it away for free in this mutual. But we're setting this up for the whole community. Housing, job training, people coming out of jail, needing to get back into the workforce. This entire thing is going to be running through Pastor Lauren Sienski. Give it up for her. Love you. Got you guys back, too. They weren't expecting that today. All right, open up your Bibles with me to John chapter 15 as we start our new sermon series called Abide. Everybody say Abide. It is so good to see you here today. We love in this church to go on series. When we preach, we like to keep it in series so that way it's not something new every week. You know, that's exciting to do sometimes as a pastor, and you don't know what you're going to get when you show up as a member, but generally we go through series. So the last series was called what? The Kingdom of God. Three of you remembered. <laughs> I need some appreciation here as a pastor, okay? What was last two-month series called? 
kingdom of God. And this series is called Abide. Thank you. And now I believe it's going to take us to the end of the year. Should the Lord say the same for all of November and all of December. As always, our notes are online at our Facebook page or at the website, mpichurch.org. I'm looking at the website right now. That's how we do it. Are you with me in John chapter 15? If you're there, say I'm there. So we are going to look at this series, and everybody is going to learn it new. So if you are uh, a first-time visitor today, good to have you here. Or if you've been coming with us regularly, you are at the beginning of the series. So we all start at the same level. If you ever miss a week, you can always go back online, just like how I am right now on the website, and you can look here for where it says the series. You see, we have that right there, and you can click on that, and you'll be able to click on the other messages in that same Abide series. But let's listen to Jesus because Jesus is the one that gave us this idea of abiding. Now, this word abide is going to be said 10 times in these 10 verses. So everybody say abide. Thank you. Now, every time you see the word abide, I want you to shout it out with me, okay? We don't have to read this whole passage out loud together. But whenever you see that word abide, it's going to be 10 times in this passage. Say it with me. Here it is, starting in chapter 15, verse 1. I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it is abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. You guys are doing awesome. Let's keep going to verse 5 and onward. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. And here are these last two verses in 9 and 10. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Isn't that awesome? The abiding of Jesus. Isn't this so important that we get this today? He said it 10 times in 10 verses. I want you to think about that as I read this introduction to our sermon series about what it means to abide in Christ. Abiding in Christ is one of the most important foundations of the Christian faith. It incorporates all the important doctrines of our the disciples' identity and our purpose in God's kingdom, which we just learned about, our purpose in that kingdom that God has for us. Therefore, our connection to Jesus as the true vine, everybody say true vine, Thank you. We'll determine not only our eternal destiny, but our current relationship with God. So we have to know that abiding with Jesus is of the utmost importance. Now, I want you to see the illustration of what this is because we, uh, you know, are not a agricultural community. Some of you might have grown up around that or used to live in a setting like that. My grandparents were rural, uh, and then my family moved to the city. But this is what he's talking about. They all would have known it. This was popular in the days of Jesus. Matter of fact, there 
there was three main agricultural examples that Jesus gave about us being in him or being abiding in him. The fig tree, the olive tree, and the vine, the, the, the grapevine. And so those three are interwoven throughout the Old Testament and New Testament. These were the popular items of their day. This is what they made their wine from. Jesus is using this as a very simple illustration for everybody to look at. There could have been a vineyard right next to them to look at it and go, I get it. So if you see here this big old vine that's sticking out right there next to these grapes, if I can find my little mousey, there it is. You see, there's the vine. Everybody say the vine. Okay, now next to that vine and what grows out of it are these little green branches. Does everybody see that? And then what comes from those branches is the fruit. So who is the vine? Jesus. Who are the branches? We are. And then what is the fruit? We're going to learn about that today. Now, who is the gardener in the vineyard? Who is that? The Father. God the Father is the gardener. Now, here's some helpful definitions because you know what? I want everybody to get caught up in this sermon series because after today, I'm going to be going deep. Everybody say deep. I'm going to be going deep into the different things that we uh, accomplish and what God does through us as we abide. But right now, I just want it to become so clear to us what it means to abide in the vine, okay? The first thing that we learn when we read John 15 is that it's an allegory. It's a type of literary device that communicates ideas and concepts and pictorial terms from the outside world. So Jesus is using allegory, just like he used parables to tell kingdom stories. We learned about that in our kingdom. Kingdom of God series. He loved parables. He also loved allegories, so he painted that picture. We see the true vine is Jesus. The vine dresser is the Father. The branches are Jesus' disciples. Now note, it doesn't just say believers. In the context, we see that the word disciple is used. Everybody say disciple. See, that is a key concept in this church. We do discipleship because we don't want believers to be make-believers. We want believers to become disciples. You can believe as you throw a quarter into a wishing well that you'll become a millionaire. That doesn't change anything. And you can believe in Jesus like you believe in Abraham Lincoln, and that won't change anything. The kind of belief in Christ that changes your life is a true surrendering, a true following. Jesus said, if anyone wants to come after me, they must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. That is the call of discipleship. So believers aren't to be make-believers. Believers are to be disciples. Can I hear an amen? So that is who he is talking to, and that is who we are supposed to be. So don't uh, take that as just a church attendee or a person who sings in the choir. He is calling us all to be disciples. And one more time, as a pastor, I've heard so many excuses to not being a disciple. Well, I don't have enough time. And you know what? Maybe I'm too old, and I've, I've already gone to another church. Well, listen to me. That's not our fault, and that's not what God is going to take as an excuse on Judgment Day. All disciples need to continue in discipleship. So if you came here from another church, you need to join our discipleship. If God called you here, don't just come Sunday and hear the good preaching. You need to be discipled. You need to be in a relationship with Christ and his church. That is what God intended us to do. He said, I will build the church and the gates of hell will not prevail, right? And if you think you're too young, that's a lie. David killed a giant when he was just a mere adolescent. If you think you're too old, you haven't read the Bible enough. Abraham was making babies at 100 years old. Hello, somebody. 
You see, the Bible talks about ageism as not an issue. There's no problem. So, hey, if you don't like the way we do discipleship, because then that may be somebody's excuse. Well, I don't like connect, mentor, send. I want to do connect, mentor, stay, and stay on the pew and stinky, winky. That's why they call it a pew. No, it's not connect, mentor, stay. It's connect, mentor, send. But if you want another church that you can be frozen, chosen with, if you can go around that, and do, well, go do it. Amen? There's probably 10 down the road with a backslidden pastor that will make you feel at home. Amen? And I'm not trying to say, excuse me, I'm not trying to say we're the only radical church. I'm just saying you are in a radical disciple-making church. That's about it, about it for the Lord. Amen? We're about making disciples that make disciples that make disciples that make disciples. Are you with me? We're about changing the world for Jesus. Branches are disciples. Boom, shakalaka. Now, everybody want to learn about the fruit. Somebody say the fruit. When we look at this, the theologians, the scholars, they all come to a point of question. No one knows for sure what Jesus means by fruit. He never tells us in this allegory. So when you look at the allegory here, Jesus says, you know, abide in me and I'll abide in you. And he starts talking about bearing much fruit, like here in verse 8, that my Father is glorified when you bear much fruit. And then he says uh, uh, further up as well that you cannot bear fruit without him but if you abide in him you bear fruit and then he says that he prunes us to bear much fruit how many have felt some pruning in your life before we're going to talk about that in just a moment but here's the thing in this uh, allegory he never tells us what fruit is so all the best of the theologians all the best of the scholars have to guess at what it is but you know what i love to do I love to look at the Bible, find where else the Bible mentions things that Jesus talked about, and then see if it has commonality. So I just looked at fruit throughout the Bible, and I found at least five different places where fruit is mentioned in the Bible, and I would assume Jesus would be talking about that. I think it's a safe thing to assume. So let's go through this and learn about fruit. Everybody turn with me to Galatians 5.22 and say the fruit of the Spirit. Amen. That's the first thing that I think Jesus is talking about, that he, uh, as we abide in him, he will give us the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, starting in verse 22. We learn about the deeds of the flesh from Paul in those prior verses, the things we shouldn't do. Look at your neighbor and say, don't be naughty. Okay, the Bible doesn't want you to be naughty, but the Bible wants you to bear fruit. Now look at this. But the fruit of the Spirit. Come on, if you're all there, help me say it out. But the fruit of the Spirit is the things we're about ready to learn. So do I think Jesus was referring to that? Sure. I'm sure it included that in his thoughts there because he didn't limit it. See, I think when Jesus doesn't limit his definition of a parable or allegory, it's because it has wide applications, okay? So like I said, I went through the Bible, saw other places where fruit is mentioned, and here we see the fruit of the Spirit. It is what? Let's say it together. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. How many of you want to bear the fruit of the Spirit? Now, if you notice, just a little pet peeve of mine as I study the Bible, it is not fruits, plural, of the Spirit. It is a fruit of the Spirit. And so way, the way it's best to look at the nine facets of the fruit is like nine orange slices in each orange. And I don't know how many slices are in the orange, but you get what I'm saying. There's about that many. So we're not looking at fruit of love being separate from the fruit of joy. No, they grow together, just like how an orange grows together, one orange, and then when 
you peel it off, you can take one piece off, another piece. Are you getting what I'm saying? And it's one orange, right? And it's got different parts. That is what the fruit singular of the Spirit is. So God has in you the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control right now. All of it is in you growing. And whether or not you let it grow is up to you. You can, you can stop its growth. You can hinder its growth. You cannot uh, apply it, but it is there. So some people say, well, I don't really have love. And that's not true. If you have the spirit, you have love. Some people may say, well, I'm not really gentle. You know, I, I know that I used to say that, but as I began to study this, I realized, no, gentleness is inside of me because I have the spirit inside of me. When we were born again, we were born by the what? The Spirit. And so the Spirit has fruit. If I'm abiding in Christ, this is growing in me. So think about that during this sermon series, that as you're abiding in Christ, this fruit, singular, should be manifesting in nine different flavors and ways in your life. That's just one of the manifestations or examples of fruit. How many want to learn about another one? Amen. Let's learn about the next one here. We see that it means success in ministry. Go to Colossians chapter 1, verse 6. How many people here actually want to see others get saved? That it's not just about your four and no more, right? It's, it's not about your four and no more. You want to see others get saved. Well, look at how the Bible uses the term fruit here in the book of Colossians. Go to the, another writing of Paul, Colossians chapter 1, verse 6. We'll actually just pop up here to verse, uh, catch him at the beginning of a sentence. Here we go. Start in verse 3. I'm waiting for you, but I want you guys to follow along today, not just take my word for it. So I'm going to be patient, but we got to run through these, okay? So if you're there, say I'm there. Great. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. See, that's a pastoral prayer. When I think of your faith, I'm brought joy. When I think of your love, I'm brought joy. That's what Paul is saying there. It says, and the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up in heaven for you about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel. How many believe the true message of the gospel? Amen. Now look at this. That true message of the gospel that has come to you in the same way. The gospel is bearing what? The gospel is bearing what? fruit and growing throughout the whole world just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's what? It's all about that grace, about that grace. No devil, it's all about that grace. Come on, it's always about grace. Isn't that cool? We did a sermon series on that. You can almost see all three of our sermon series just in the last few months right here. Boom, kingdom of God through the gospel. Boom, grace that changes our lives. Boom, bearing fruit as we are winning souls for Christ. The gospel changes lives. It bears fruit. You need to be out in the harvest field of this world, planting the seed of God's word, praying for the world to get saved, and believing for them to change. Don't let this world take away your hope. Don't let this world make you think it's hopeless. Don't let the negativity that people have said about Chirac get us to believe this is the way it's always got to be. No, it's not. God can bring peace to our streets, can he not? God can change the homosexual community, right? God can change the corruption in our politics. God's gospel still bears fruit, amen. And if it's not bearing fruit in your life, you need to check your root. Because going back to John 15, everyone that's in him abiding in him, 
him bears fruit. So if you're saying, I'm preaching and preaching and nobody's getting saved, chances are you have stopped believing and stopped reaching out in the true biblical way. My wife and I started with a Bible study in our house, and last week we had 225 people in this house. Come on, somebody. We now have 150 disciples, praise God. Now, I'm not saying it's always going to be, uh, you know, laughs and giggles, skipping on the yellow brick road. There are times when we go to hard ground and missionaries have to suffer for Christ, but I'm telling you the gospel bears fruit, and we shouldn't settle for anything less than God's best. I don't want your friends to go to hell. Do you want them to go to hell? There's a real part of this John 15 that's scary. Branches that don't bear fruit get cut off and thrown into the fire. That should not be okay with us. So let's believe God for the gospel to bear fruit. Can I get an amen? Amen. Here now we see that there's another aspect, good works. Let's turn to Colossians 1.10. I have other references there in Matthew about Jesus talking about good works. But turn to Colossians 1.10, a few verses down from where we've already been in Colossians. And you'll see that not only does fruit represent the lives that are being changed through the gospel, but it also represents our morality. People should be able to pick the fruit of patience off of your life. They shouldn't be upset with you because you lose your patience and cuss them out on the job. Somebody should be able to say, "Mm -mm -mm, your attitude tastes good this morning. I wonder how many are going to have that this you know, Monday as the week starts. I wonder if somebody's going to look at you and go, mm, 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 I like you. I like your words. I like your attitude. I like working with you. Now, I'm not saying everybody gets along with you, and I know I've been married for 10 years. I need a lot of fruit in my marriage and, and to bear good fruit. But I'm telling you what, when I'm doing marriage right and I'm abiding in Christ, my wife loves my fruit. Amen. She loves the way I take care of her and love her and am patient with her because that's what love is love is patient love is kind all those things that's a good work see good works are not what save us but it's what we do because we're saved so i'm not saved by doing a bunch of good things i come to jesus as a as a sinner that's the only person jesus can save jesus can't save self-righteous people jesus only saves sinners those who are willing to repent and confess their sins and their need for jesus amen do i have any saved sinners sanctified saints up in this place Amen. So now that we're saved, now that our life has been transformed, we should have some fruit to prove that our root has been changed. So look at the fruit of morality. Look at this. So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord. Somebody say, worthy of the Lord. See, we're called to live a life worthy of the Lord. We're not just supposed to say, well, I'm saved. Now I can do whatever I want because God will forgive me any, anyway. Paul says we should never think like that. Some people even accused him of talking like that. He said, God forbid, we'll never keep sinning to keep getting grace. That shouldn't be our mindset. Grace is not just forgiveness of sin. It's empowerment of identity to not sin. I'm not who I used to be. Why would I want to go back to doing what I used to do? Grace tells me I am who Christ says I am. I'm the righteousness of God in him. I can do all things through him, praise God. And I'm holy because he's holy. Praise God. I can't get an amen on that. I mean, if you want to stay busted and disgusted, that's up to you. But I want to live the holy life. I want to live a righteous life. And living a holy, righteous life is not just women not cutting their hair, not wearing makeup, and all looking like all of us looking like we've sucked on lemon. Mm, I'm so religious. No, it's living a joyful, full of the Holy Spirit, purpose-filled life. So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord. Somebody say, so that I might live a life worthy of the Lord. And please him in every way, 
Come on, somebody say, I want to please him in every way. Somebody say, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. Praise God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Lord who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. The fruit that I believe Jesus was also talking about in John 15 is the fruit of good works. We should be living a life worthy of the Lord. My marriage shouldn't be like the Kardashians' marriage. Amen. How many are glad I'm not coming out as a woman today? Amen. Come on. My life shouldn't, my life shouldn't be like what it's on TV. I want to be like the holy people of the Bible. Amen. And, and all of the lies this world tells us that you have to give in to pornography men to be sexually satisfied. Let me tell you, so that's a devil's lie. You'll never be satisfied. It's an empty hole of lust and you'll never fill it. Fall in love with your wife. Fall in love with her and she will satisfy you all the days of your life. It won't be based on what you guys do in the bedroom. It will be based on how you fill each other's heart. And that time you spend there will be a heavenly experience, trust me. God takes care of both the physical and the spiritual needs. Can I get an amen? But walking worthy is not something we do of ourselves. He says he gives us the power. He strengthens us to do it. We're abiding in that vine, and he is giving us the power and the energy to bring forth that fruit. You can't go next to a vine and put a little, you know, uh, what do they have in the doctors with those things they hear the heartbeat with? A, teth a stethoscope. Stethoscope. Yeah. By the way, you got to pray for me. I got my doctoral classes tomorrow and I'm already mispronouncing words. So just pray for me. The stethoscope. You're not going to be able to go to that vine and put it on there and then hear the branch going, I'm trying so hard. I'm trying so hard. I'm trying so hard. Come on, grape. Come on. I need your help, grape. I need you. I need you. Help me. Help me. Yeah. And then a grape pops out. No, as that branch abides, everybody say abides. As it abides to the branch, it gets the life force of the branch. As we are plugged into Jesus, we get the power that comes from Jesus, the power to overcome temptation, the power to, to obey God and disobey this world. Come on, somebody say amen. You don't have to be like the world. You can say no. How many believe that, that God has prosperity for us? Oh, man, one of the first scriptures I ever learned in the Bible was Psalms chapter 1. Turn there with me quickly, please. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, stand in the way of the sinner, or sit in the seat of the mocker. But his delight is upon the law of the Lord, and on his law does he meditate day and night. He or she is like a tree planted by the streams of water, which yield their fruit in season, and their leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Woo! I'm excited about prosperity. I'm not talking about wasting money at the club, making it rain, throwing out your money to live worldly. I'm talking about biblical prosperity. You know what biblical prosperity is? More than enough. Just more than enough. You can pay your bills. You got some left over for an inheritance for your kids or savings. More than enough so you can be generous with people in your life. I've been to India, and I've seen God prosper them as they live in villages. Why? They had enough rice for them and enough to share with somebody else. That's prosperity, baby. But I believe that all of us here, if we tap into that vine, we can see God bless us in our ways. Look at that verse, verse 3, Psalms 1. 
that person, this blessed person that I was just quoting that scripture, that one who does not uh, stay in step with the wicked or stand in the way of the sinner or sit in the company of the mocker, that person, everybody say that person, is like a tree planted by streams of water. Praise God. It's not your prosperity. It's not based upon an economy. It's not based upon politicians. It's based upon the source of God, and that never changes. As I've told these stories before here, I'll tell it again. My dad was a businessman. Some of his businesses worked. Some of his businesses didn't work. And those were hard times. Yes, it's true. We go through life, and there is pruning. The Bible talks about that. But he was always tapped in to the stream of living water. I want to encourage you today. Tap into that stream. Relocate if you got to. Do whatever you got to do. But stay in that stream because there is prosperity, life flowing to you. That person is like a tree planted by the streams of water which yield its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, whatever, come on, somebody say, whatever they do prospers. You see, there is a prosperity in the kingdom of God. I know some of you and I, we've had failures in our life. I've had to lose a church building before. You've heard that story. You might have had to go through failures in life. God uses them, but I don't want you to give up because everything that goes on in your life, God is using for your good. God says he works all things together. Come on, he works all things together. Sometimes all your hardest tests are going to be your greatest testimonies. The mess that you're in becomes your message, amen? You look at people now, you come to my house now, you're like, Pastor, moving on up, look at you, man, to the suburbs, blah, blah, blah. You look at me and you might say, oh, look at him. Listen, you don't know, I started in a little old apartment. You don't know the glory till you know the story, baby. And some people are like, well, why has it got to be the suburbs? Well, the only reason is I just needed more bang for the buck. Amen. I got four kids. I got a tribe I'm raising. Amen. Some people will spend the same amount I do on rent for like a, for like, what do they call that? Um, not a condo, but the, what's the one bedroom? A studio. Studio next to the lake. I don't want to spend all my G's for a studio next to the lake. I want a backyard. Are you guys listening to me? But I'll tell you what, you don't know my, you don't know the glory unless you know the story. We all look at people now that are successful, even the ones like we don't like. Let's say you don't like Trump, but you don't know his story. His dad loaned him a million dollars. He turned it into $10 billion. You, you, can, you can hate the man, but you can't hate the game. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? You got to respect the game. You know what I'm talking about. And how many are happy right now to watch the Mets get spanked right now? A lot of Cubs fans are watching the Mets getting spanked. The Royals are spanking them. But you know what? You got to respect them because they spanked us, right? So you know the idea is God wants to prosper his people, not so that we can be peacocks, not that we can misuse it, that we can change the world. I would rather you have a million dollars than Lil Wayne the rapper having a million dollars. I would rather have you make $10 million a year than this basketball star who OD'd on drugs in a prostitute house. Hello, somebody. So don't sell yourself short. Whatever you do, believe that you can prosper in. If you say, Pastor, I'm just a janitor. Be the best janitor you can be, and then by the end of your days working there, be the manager of the janitors. Amen? Have you ever seen Undercover Boss? Bosses love hard workers in every field that they're in. And it doesn't matter. You do this well, you will prosper. God is on your side. Somebody say, help me, Jesus. The next thing we learn about the fruit is wisdom. Everybody say, wisdom. You got to talk like that. Go to Proverbs chapter 10, verse 31, to learn about wisdom. Wisdom. Wisdom is the proper application of knowledge. How many want to have the fruit of wisdom? How many are like Mr. T, you pity the fool? How many of you just like, man, I pity the fool. 
Why do people act like this? You mean, I, I mean, telling you guys, have you ever just been to a store before and you just get the most terrible service? And then you just think to yourself, they're going to wonder why they're working here all the rest of their life. They're going to wonder why they're living like this the rest of their life. I'll never forget. I was in New Orleans one time, and I was in the hood. Somebody say the hood. It was all good, but I was in the hood. And it was a predominantly African-American culture, and they taught me a lot in that hood, okay? I learned a lot. And I remember just going to like a Dunkin' Donuts one time, and, and this woman was doing terrible at her service. She hated her job. Whatever this guy in front had asked for, he asked for like, you know, a cup of coffee and a donut, and she was just struggling. It was a mess. And then she was acting like she was doing him a favor. Has anybody ever got service like that? Like, what do you need? Okay, let me go get this for you over here. All right. It's like, hold on, I'm paying you. You're not doing me a favor. How many know what I'm talking about? So that was going on. And I'm telling you, man, this was street wisdom. He goes, baby, come on over here, baby. That's how they talk in the South. So y'all got to bear with me, okay? He's like, baby, you come on over here. And she was like, what you want? He's like, listen to me, baby. You're going to be working here your whole life wondering why you like this. You better change that attitude. You better put that frown upside down, put a smile on your face, or you, you're going to be working here your whole life. And I just sat back, and, of course, I was like, ooh. I was like, you tell him, man. You tell him. I was like, you tell him. You know, hide back here because I was a white guy. But, no, I was like, you t- I'm like, you tell him, Tyrone. You tell her. You tell her. No, no, I'm kidding. It's always got to be Tyrone. White guys are Steve. Black guys are Tyrone. And it's always Cousin Flacco for Latinos. Got to keep it fair. Got to keep it fair. Anyways, so, so I'm like, man, that is so much wisdom. And I think about that all the time. So my wife and I, we were just at Applebee's. And there was a mess on the, uh, you know, the booth there. And, and just she asked somebody to clean it up. And it wasn't done right. But this guy, he came and he not only got the rag. My wife was like, just give me the rag. And, and he was like, no. He was like a, um, a greeter. You know, he wasn't even a server. And my wife's like, just give me the rag and I'll do it. He's like, no, I'm going to do it. He went and got down on his knees. He laid out on that thing. He took his time doing it. And I looked at him. I said, man, that's why you'll get a promotion, bro. I said, thank you. That's where hard work will lead you. So everybody say wisdom. Amen. Let me see if I can get this thing to move here. Can I get you to say wisdom? Okay. Proverbs 10, 31. Who's got Proverbs 10, 31? Open up right in front of them. You got it? Come on, read it out, brother. From the mouth of the righteous comes the fruit of wisdom, but a perverse tongue will be silenced. Somebody say amen. Out of our mouths should come wisdom. We should have wisdom and not a perverse tongue. How many know the difference between wisdom and a perverse tongue? How many are tired of perverse tongues in media right now? I don't usually do promotion for products, but I'll just turn you guys on to this. There's a program or a, a, an online Internet site called VidAngel. You can stream your movies without pornography, without vulgarity, and these types of things. Because I'm telling you, our world, our world is getting so sick and twisted, man. You can't even watch a comedy anymore without them saying the F word, taking the Lord's name in vain. I mean, literally, I was watching a PG-13 movie, and it just shocked me. I can't even remember what it was. But they said the F word in a PG-13 movie. And I'm like, what has our world become? Just in 50 years, look how we've traded wisdom for folly. And now ask yourself, are we better off as a culture because we talk like this? Are we better off as a culture because we think like this? And I know, as a lot of times people ask me, they say, Pastor, we think about homosexuality. Well, I think it's a sin like anything else, you know. I love homosexuals. You know, I don't have anything against them, but it's a sin. And the best thing I can do for them is help them to get saved, amen. And you say, well, what if they were born that way? Well, I was born angry, lusting after lots of women, and I got born again, and Jesus changed my heart. 
So if you were born a sinner, get born again a saint, that's kind of how it works, amen? And they're like, well, what if that don't work? Well, you tried the wrong thing then, amen? I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about getting really born again because that changes things. How many have been changed? How many could say, I know I've been changed, amen? So we look at our world and we need wisdom. The mouth of the righteous comes the fruit of wisdom. Wisdom comes off of their tongue. They are the ones that others look to. They are the people that are leaders in their families, leaders in their community. I don't know about you, but there are people in my life that look to me for answers. My children look to me for answers. My wife looks to me for answers. On the job here at the church, people look to me for answers. I would guarantee and and pretty much assume all of you are in those kind of places right now. You either have siblings, family, children, a job, something, a place where you can be planted and bring forth that wisdom. Look at verse 32. The lips of the righteous know what finds favor, but the mouth of the wicked, only what is perverse. I still believe even in this wicked world that people still prefer the mouth of wisdom. They may not always do it. I'm not telling you it's going to be easy. You may sometimes feel like you are in the crazy house and the patients have taken over. You know what I'm saying? You may look around on your job and feel like you are in uh, the Wizard of Oz. No one has a brain. No one has a heart. Whatever the other one didn't have, you're just like, if they could only have a heart, only have a brain, we could get something done here, right? But I'm telling you, God planted you there to be an example. So get get secure in your place of where God has planted you and understand your wisdom is not dependent upon their folly. As I've said it before, they can go to hell, you can go to heaven, amen? You can be sitting next to someone that says, I'll go to hell, you can still go to heaven. You can receive the best of God while people are are jacked up going around the mountain a hundred times. It's up to you. Be the one that stays with the vine. Can I hear an amen? Thank you. As we look to this passage now, we hopefully have some applications of what we believe those fruits are. Just in review, the Bible says that there is a true vine. His name is Jesus. He is the only way, the truth, and the life to the Father. No one comes to the Father except by Him. Amen? There are branches. Those are the disciples of Jesus. These are the ones who take Jesus' word seriously. They're not sitting around making excuses trying to get out of it. They're not trying to see how close to hell they can get and still go to heaven. They're trying to see how close they can get to heaven and still be on this earth. Amen? That's what God is looking for. And the fruit that we are to be bearing, I believe, can apply to the fruit of the Spirit. If you want these things, when I say them, can you say amen, fruit of the Spirit? You want that? Success in ministry. Good works, prosperity, and wisdom. Amen. I want all of those things as well. And then we see that the journey we're going to take, which I know is going to be an important part of this sermon series, is number six, is that pruning. You know, Jesus does not spare us from discipline. As a matter of fact, in Hebrews, he teaches us that he disciplines us because he loves us. I'll use the word bastard because it's used in the King James, and we'll understand it more clearly. He says that the bastard child has no discipline. The child where the father has abandoned them, and God have mercy on fathers who have done that. If you've done that, Father, repent today and come home to your children. Start by giving whatever you can in your time and your resources. Can I hear an amen? We believe in that. But the bastard child, the one who's been abandoned by his father, has no fatherly discipline. And trust me, listen to me. Everybody look up at me as I talk from the heart. 
I have pastored a fatherless generation in this church. We are mostly young adults, and we have pastored that fatherless generation. Men that didn't have a father to teach them right from wrong. Men that never had a father teach them how to pray. Men that never had a father teach them how to honor a woman. A father that got up early and went to work and stayed late. That is our culture today. And I want you to hear me today that that is not love. A father who does that is not a loving father. And I'm not here to shame him. I'm not here to embarrass him. If those of you are relating to this, because I know many are, I'm here. We need to pray for him. But listen, our God is not an absentee father. He cares about us. And what that means is when dad comes around, he not only plays ball with us, he not only teaches us, but he also got to pull out the belt every now and then. And that's the problem that I see sometimes with these young men. And we got a lot of young men in this church, amen. But sometimes if they didn't grow up with a strong father and they come around our men who are being leaders to them, they get their feelings hurt because they've been used to feminized leadership. And listen to me, women. I know women can be strong leaders, but it comes across in your women nature and I'm here to tell you that a man needs more than just a female leader he needs a male leader and I've heard so many men get upset with me why are you talking to me like that my mom never talked to you know why because your mom didn't have a pair of what I got baby I'm a man I'm a man and I don't mean to be vulgar but I'm a man's man I could body slam your mama are you listening to me I'm stronger than your mama I'm not here to be rude and upset I'm crazy right now Lord help me but you understand there's a difference between a man and a woman. There's a man's way of dealing with stuff. My wife, she's always like, oh, this, this, and that. I'm like, let him fall off the ladder. Let him roll down the hill. Let him go through whatever he's got to go through because he's a man, and he's going to have to learn to get back up and take a licking and keep on ticking. I ain't your mama. Amen. I'm a man, and I'm here to be a man. And God is our father. Thank God for mothers doing both jobs. Amen. Thank God for you. And God gives you special grace. You know why? He says he's a fatherless. He's a father to the fatherless, and he'll give you extra wisdom. We talked about that bearing fruit. You won't know where it comes from, but it's from the Holy Spirit. But I'm here to talk to young men today. God is not an absentee father, and that means for all of us here, when God's in your business, he's going to start pruning some stuff off. He is going to be a father. He's going to say, no, I'm not okay with that. This is not the way to live. He'll do it in your life personally as you start studying the word. And, of course, he'll use a church, but we're not here to meddle and to be in your business. We're here to set an example as we're being pruned. Because can there be anybody in here today that says, I'm already pruned enough. God doesn't have to prune me. As you look at what our identity is, this is what I love. Everybody say, my identity is clean. But I still need to be pruned. See, look at this dynamic. You see, we believe in the perfection of God at new birth. We believe in the sanctification of the believer here. And that's what he says. You are already clean. So discipline doesn't mean I get saved again. Just because I have to repent of something I've done wrong, that doesn't mean I'm getting saved again. I have been cleansed. I have been made the righteousness of God. I am clean. The Bible says I'm clean. Somebody say I'm clean. Now he says, abide in me and I in you. But you see, right before he says that, he says, every branch. Somebody say, every branch. So somebody says to me, oh, I don't need any pruning. I said, man, you need the worst kind of pruning because you, you need the pride pruned out of you. Hello, somebody. If you don't think you need pruning, you need it the most. 
Well, Pastor, I'm going to come talk to you about the way you preach today. No, no, no. We ain't going to start off there. Let me start talking about your private life and business before you ever try to counsel me, baby, because you know what I'm saying? You don't get to tell me what to do without your life being examined because I, as a pastor, I have to be examined before I preach up here. So we better be careful before we judge our pastors. But if I did offend you about that, please forgive me. It wasn't my intent. Every branch in me. Somebody say every branch that does not bear fruit is cast away. And every branch that bears fruit, every good fruit bearing branch, every one of us, even when we're doing the right things, every one of us, even when life is going awesome, still will get pruned. Because it's a part of us growing. It's a part of us learning. It's a part of us understanding what the difference between good and evil is. When we ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that has been our journey. Now today, since we're born again, we're not saved by doing more good than evil, but we are still held responsible to overcome evil with good. And God wants to teach us. And so that will be one of the keys of this sermon series. How am I going to come for that day? Y'all ain't going to, because, you know, sometimes when I put my sermons up online, I don't want you guys running away, you know. So I don't know if, like, when I, when I talk about pruning, like, the message would be, God's going to prune you, you know. Like, that's going to be the message. I don't want you guys not to show up. So maybe I might have to put there, abide, come learn about prosperity. And then you see it on Facebook, and you're like, yes, that's my message. I'll be there, you know. And then I'll be like, whoops, we're going to talk about you being pruned. Now, just, just think to yourself this week, this month, how often as you can, God, what are things in me that you want to change? What are behaviors, habits, things that I do that don't please you? How do I talk to my wife? How do I talk to people on the job? How am I spending my money? How do I spend my free time? What am I doing with my life? Is it honoring you? How are these things lining up towards your purpose? Is there anything that needs to be pruned? Come on, somebody say, help me, Jesus. And then lastly, what we'll see in this message is what it's all about, baby. Abide. Everybody say abide. In closing, can I get the band to come, please? Ten times Jesus said abide. It means to remain. Some of your translations may have that word remain. It means to stay. It means to reside. When we look at this illustration, we see that the vine is Jesus. And what he is asking us to do is abide with him, remain with him, stay with him, stick it out with him. In our vision, we have connect, mentor, send. Do you know that connect plays on this same idea of abiding? That we're connecting to Jesus plugging into the source of power that he has for our lives and remaining connected. The thing that I want us to get out of today's message is that what brings us in is what's going to keep us in. If our religion was based upon good works, then that means for me to stay in that relationship with him, I better keep pedaling my bike for Jesus. I better keep selling my gospel message for Jesus, right? Because that's what Jehovah Witnesses do. That's what Mormons do. It's like Amway for their religion, right? Muslims pray five times a day. Take a trip to Mecca. Do your hajj. You don't know if you're making it in or not. Inshallah, only God knows. 
Because if we say we're saved by works, then that's the only thing we got going for us. But listen to Jesus at the end of this passage. Because the very thing that brings us in is the very thing that's going to keep us in. Let's see if you got it because it's quite powerful if you really meditate on it. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my religion. Abide in all of these works I tell you to do. Abide in my love. See, that's where it starts. Father loved the Son. The Father sends the Son because he then so loves us. The Son gives his life for us. And he says, that's how you come in. He says, that's how you come in. Amen. One person, it's okay. One person's for you. Amen. That's how you come in. Praise God. That's how you come in, brother. That's how I came in. Through the love of God. Now, how do I stay in? Through reading my Bible five chapters a day, praying. I stay here. I abide here in love. Then, everybody say then. See, then he says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Because he's showing us that if you really love me, you'll have something to show for it. Because if I love my wife, I'm not cheating on her. If I love my kids, I'm not abandoning them. If I love you, I'm respecting you. Right? There's, there's an action with this love. But you have to understand, it's motivated by love. It motivates me to follow my mom and, and dad after I'm an adult and follow them and love them and serve. Why am I honoring my mom and dad? Because there's some commandment written in black and white. No, because I love my mom and dad and I follow them and I ask them for advice at a time in my life, right? I'm honoring them. I love them. I'm, I'm asking my children to follow me, not because I'm just dad and I'm in charge and I stomp my feet and yell at everybody. I'm asking my children to, to follow me because they see my love. When I have to discipline my kids, I reinforce it. Do you understand? I did this because I love you. I did this because I love you. I discipline you because I love you. And that's what God is saying. That's, that's what it's like with him. The Father, just hear it one last time before we close, please. The Father loved Jesus. And I have loved you. Jesus has loved you. Abide in Jesus' love. If you keep Jesus' commandments, you will abide in Jesus' love just as Jesus kept his Father's commandments and abides in his love. When we look at what this sermon series is going to mean to us these next couple of months as we get ready to end our year, it's going to mean that things are going to change. It's going to mean that we're going to get rid of the bad and get to the good. And the two commandments that we need to know that we got to follow are the two greatest commandments. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Do you get it? Those are the two greatest commandments. Love. Love God and people. Have you heard it before? We're going to love God by putting nothing before him. Don't wait to make a New Year's resolution. Make it today. Put nothing before God, not false religion, not your job, not your family, even your own life or your dreams and ambitions. Put God first. And I promise you, he promises you'll be fruitful, you'll be wise, you'll be prosperous, you'll have good works. Love people. 
Forgive. Treat others the way you want to be treated. Be a good Samaritan. Pray and preach the gospel. This is what Jesus said. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the sec- uh, that's the first and greatest commandment. The second is like this. Love your neighbor as yourself. All. Somebody say A-L-L all. Thank you. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So what do we pull out today? I hope you got something that you got from this. By the way, there's 1,550 commands, 1,050 commands in the Bible. If you want to see them, i got to click there. But all of them, everybody say all. All of them come down to loving God and loving people. And why do I do that? Because I'm abiding in his love. The way I came in is through love. And the way I stay in is through love. Think of it like this, my friends, in closing. Abiding in Jesus is based on his love for us and the love we have for him. That's what's flowing between us and him today is love. Like the waves of the ocean crash over the shore and then are drawn back in by the tide. Deep calls unto deep. Our heart to his heart will not be satisfied until it encounters the love of God. Our love cannot be shallow. Rather, it must be evidence by our obedience to his commands. If you believe that, can I have you stand up with me? Let's give Jesus a hand clap of praise. Come on, we love you, Lord. Come on, are you thankful for the love of God? Would you just pray with me in closing now as the altar workers come? Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you that you are the vine, we are the branches, your Father is the gardener, you are pruning us so we bear much fruit, and God, we want to abide in you today. In your own words, would you tell the Lord right now, I want to abide in you. I do not want to leave. I want to abide in you. I'm here to stay. Come on, I want to abide in Jesus. I want to abide in you, God. I want to abide in you, my Lord. If there's anything holding you back from giving your whole heart to God today, would you just repent even right now as we're just singing in the Spirit, praying in the Spirit? Adam, would you sing something like that from your own heart? I want to abide in you, Jesus. If you don't know the Lord, would you just say, God, I want to know you. I want to come close to you, oh God. I want to experience what that allegory is talking about in reality. I don't want just a pretty story or a little poem. I want to experience the reality of you. I want to abide in you. If that's you today, it doesn't matter if you're a first-time visitor, you've never done this before, or you've done it a hundred times. Today, mean it, and God will place you into that vine right now. Do it, those who need to be placed in the vine. Come on, say, Jesus, I repent of sin. I repent of unbelief. Sorry for doing it my own way. Now, those of us who have already been in the vine, right now, before we look at pruning, before we look at commandments, before we look at things like that, I'm asking you a question. Are you abiding in love today? The most important question is, are you abiding in love, Christian fellow disciple? Would you search your heart today? The Bible says that there are patterns in the people of God where they lose their first love where they can be so distracted with their affections towards other things. Today, 
Focus again on Jesus. Center your life on Jesus. I'll do it with you right now. Because from that place, pruning no longer is the painful process of losing things we love. Pruning is losing things we ought not love to bear more fruit for the things we do love. See, pruning hurts, but why does it hurt? Because our love was attached to wrong things. Our emotion, our investment of the soul was going towards other things. And when God prunes it, it hurts. And he goes, see, that relationship wasn't for you. But when we're abiding in love, we go, God, I'm thankful you did that. Because I know it's going to work for my good. I'm going to have a different kind of relationship in another way. I'm going to do things differently for love's sake. Come on, 30 more seconds. Either you're coming to God for the first time, or those of you who have been abiding, you're focusing on love today. Right now, Adam, would you just sing something prophetic from your heart? Jesus. moments it's between you and God I can't plug you into Jesus only you can do that in your heart today remove those distractions God remove God those temptations the glitter of this world open our eyes to see who you really are because when we see you these things won't draw us like they used to they won't have that place in our heart like they used to. When your love comes, it pushes those things out. Just like when a person is satisfied with a meal, they couldn't eat another bite even if they tried. Lord, satisfy our souls with your love today so that obedience comes natural and disobedience is distasteful. Change our appetite. Change what we long for. As we abide in you, may we long for you. Just as I've lost 60 pounds this last year, my body always longed for sugar, always longed for fried foods. But as I went on a more stricter eating plan to vegetables and to low carbs, now my body craves fruit and vegetables. Lord, change our appetite. Change what we desire by changing what we need on the inside. Show us we don't need that stuff. It doesn't satisfy. Put life back together for us the right way. Put our job back in the right place. Our education, our family, our marriage. Have it be in order, God, so it glorifies you. Worthy of you. I feel that. Can I just get five more seconds of meditation on what we're praying about right now? I feel that for somebody. God is changing appetites. God is changing desires. That's what it means when we pray, Lord, change my heart. 
We're saying change my desires. I didn't stop doing bad stuff because I just said, oh, bad stuff is bad. No, God changed my desire. Changed my desire for perversion, for purity. Purity satisfied me. That's why I remained a virgin for 10 years after becoming a Christian from 18 to 28. God changed my desire. Starting this ministry. I used to preach in big churches. God told me to start a home Bible study. See, God changed my desire for ministry. Nothing wrong with big churches, but God just told me, that's not what I want you to do anymore, preaching to crowds. I want you to make disciples one-on-one. Come on. Some of you know that I love my children, have four kids, want four more, baby. But you didn't know that that wasn't always a desire. I didn't like being around kids. God changed it. Come on, what's God going to change in you this series? What's going to start to come out as good fruit? Good fruit is coming to your life. Get ready. Come on, that's what we're praying for. Good fruit is coming. New marriages, new families, new outlooks on jobs, new outlooks on purpose. I'm going to ask that Pastor Berta will close us out in prayer now. Amen. Hallelujah. Father God, we thank you for your word, Lord Jesus. Your word, God, that is true, that is like a sword that penetrates through our hearts and it judges the attitudes of our hearts, Lord. We thank you, God, for this great man of God, Joe. Lord, and for all the people that receive it, Lord, I pray that we will apply it, that we take heed, Lord Jesus, to abide in you, Lord, for in you there is satisfaction. God, I pray that uh, this week we will see the growth, we will see the challenges in which you want, you are pruning us in. And God, that by Sunday we will come expecting more. And God, with hunger and with a willing heart, Lord, to receive what you have for us. So bless us as we go in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Will you slap somebody high five and say, get ready to bear some fruit. God bless you as you go. If you need any prayer for anything, would you come forward? If you want to worship, we're going to hang out. We call it the after party. Otherwise, have a great week. We love you. Get your fruit on. Rudy Tootie, fresh and fruity. God bless you as you go. You need some help with that? Come on up. We'll pray for you. Or just hang back and worship.